Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Just a couple of days out from the start of the season. How has your team evolved since pre-season games began? Uh, I think it's more, it's evolved in the Rooks and, and the mid-prices. Primo's have remained pretty steady, no no major changes. But yeah, this couple of late news and watching the performances of the mid-prices has um, obviously firmed up and, and, um, and omitted some as well. Yeah, for me, I have changed a little bit of a thought process on how I thought scores would go this year. So that's been an interesting change for me. And we'll see how that evolves and we'll see how unique I am to many people to start the year. Okay, I think this year has opened up plenty of unique paths to the season in fantasy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I think there's plenty of structures. You can go the traditional uh, guns and rooks. Um, then there's still a poor of mid-prices to pick from, so there's that option. And then, um, yeah, maximising uh, the, the cheaper premiums as well as um, – and then filling it up with a mixture of uh, mid-prices and rooks as well. So, I look, I think there's going to be real variance in how everyone lines up, which is great. I, I, you know, I hate the vanilla teams and um, it gives those that really put the time into fantasy a <clears throat> potential leg up. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it pans out. But I, I think there's going to be some varying teams for sure. I think the ruck situation, and we, we'll get into that soon enough, but I think the ruck situation with so many uh, low-priced rucks to start the season has made for an interesting start for many coaches at round one. So if you can start to nail that, I think you're off to a pretty good start for the year. Okay, what are you most looking forward to this season? Pretty much along the the football lines. Oh, look, it's obviously going to the footy. Um, You know, I I just got an email earlier from West Coast saying our tickets are available, our seats are available, so going to the footy with my son um, is an obvious one. And just watching nine games of footy and the big blockbusters and, and seeing how, you know, which teams are going to put uh, their right foot forward and how the top four will pan out. And, you know, footy's back. How good is it? Yeah, for me, just a little bit of normality here in Victoria for, for me and obviously other fans. I uh, no fans at the footy here last year, so Thursday night could be pretty special with Richmond and Carlton and then Collingwood and the Bulldogs further on from that. So fans at the football for me. Okay, as always, if you retweet any podcast link on the Plus Six podcast Twitter feed, uh, you go into the running to score a Plus Six podcast cap. The next retweet giveaway is this week, so keep an eye on that Twitter feed to see if you have won. Also, if you have not been following AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, you are likely behind your opponents already this season. Jump on and follow. All I ask in return are likes and retweets. And additionally, the fantasy content is flying over on at aflratings.com.au. If you like deep analysis on breaking news, fantasy, playing roles, injuries, etc., then that's your home for this season. Remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, Mark 16. Make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Okay, Jep and I are going to run through some key points for prep this week. 
then we'll go into some key structure decisions and then finally hit on a few key players from listeners requests okay Jeb, what are your five key points to focus in on this week leading into round one so number one getting your structure right that has to be the the, the number one get it planned out but then, most importantly, number two, having your contingency plan. So two, contingency plan, if we have a laid out or if someone doesn't get selected, I think that is equally as important as getting nailing your structure. Um, number three, I think it's just backing yourself. You know, like outside noise can influence your thoughts, but normally your first thought is the best thought and um, it's backing yourself is important. Number four, keeping an eye on centre bounce attendances as as the years um, as we have throughout the pre-season Amy series, especially making sure that your primos are the primos that will be you know either top six or top eight by the end of the year. Um, don't muck around with that. We've got to nail our primos. We say it every year to you guys. You must know your primos and your and your cheaper primos too. Um, and then number five, I suppose, is more. Uh, picking up on um, on the news and, and obviously following yourself, Pete, and, and just being ahead of the game, um, making sure you're one step ahead with, with news. Things change so quickly. You know, this concussion issue is, is a good example of we still don't know where we're going to land with so it. True. But, yeah, so just keeping an eye. And, look, I, Pete, I rely on you heavily. You know that. Follow you on, on Twitter and all your handles there. And it's it's a lifesaver because I know you're on it straight away. So, yeah, they're my five. Um, yeah, so what, what about yourself, mate? Yeah, that was my number one there. So keep track of accurate news, especially on team selection, especially leading into round one. Now, accurate news, I do say, because what I do see over the course of the season uh, some Twitter accounts posting out fake news. Now, whether that's to send you off a player that is of high interest or to make you freak out about decision-making or who knows what, what the story is with those fake news Twitter accounts, but just make sure you follow people that you trust. And, and that is pretty much people who provide accurate information most of the time, if not most of the time, all the time. Number two, identify those players that have a close proximity to the ball in their role. So you mentioned centre bounces there in one of your key points. That is also the same for me. But it's also that halfback role. So proximity to the ball, so when the ball comes inside 50, they're not deep forward or deep defence. They're actually right at that, that pinnacle where the ball hits on the ground to be involved in play to keep their scores ticking over. Number three for me, have a somewhat balanced buy structure that you can work with through the season. Now, for me, I looked at my buy structure for the first time last night. Like, I, I set my team and I go, okay, hopefully I'm close, uh, because I didn't really want it to impact my decision making, and I, I was actually quite close. So uh, just keep an eye on that as we head into round one, so you don't have to go too full on with your buy structure in the early rounds of the season. And number four, ensure you have two to three captain options early in the season. Uh, I have hit on that target, so I'm quite comfortable with that uh, until we get some upgrades and then you get some more options there as well. And number five, scenario build for players that aren't completely locked into a round one team. So I have, I have a couple in my team. 
So it's about actually scenario building around if they're not named. Now we have teams named the night before again this year. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, that rolling lockout. Sorry, mate. That yeah. rolling lockout is really... Um, it just adds more spice, doesn't it? We, we've yeah. got to be constantly on it. And, and you know, I my number one point was that contingency plan. It's... Um, it, you have to have a backup because if we start changing things on Saturday morning and then change, you know, you know as well as anyone and our listeners know, you change one player, you change like five potentially. Yeah. So having that contingency plan where your structure doesn't go out the window and you panic and you know you got five minutes to a partial lockout again, it's just crazy. You just lay it all out, guys, and um, and sleep easier. Trust me, it's um, it's been a big focus of mine. Um, of recent weeks and yeah one of the other things you just mentioned is the captains is is like I'm the last year I'm notorious and again I'm on my spreadsheet don't leave your captain choices last minute which I was notorious for so yeah we'll uh we'll improve together so just on with regards to the rolling lockout this is how I would do it and this is pretty much what I'm going to set up in the next couple of days is that I'm going to crack open a spreadsheet one of five thousand that I've got but anyway crack crack open another one or just an extra tab in somewhere else, and go through third, especially this week for round one, because we're hitting uh, lockout for our teams, is uh, create a few columns there. You've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and just put each player in your team, whichever day they're playing, and probably in order of when their games kick off. Obviously, early games, the higher rank on the player is, and just tick them off as you go. And then yep. once you put them into all four days, you can see... The plays left on Sunday, try the scenario build around those players. And if you've only got a couple, you should be fine as long as they're locked, you know, guaranteed to be best 22. Uh, but I don't have that situation. So I need to scenario build around what if that player is not named Saturday night. And, you know, that's before the Saturday night games, the teams come out. So I might be able to build a scenario around where I can make an alteration for the Saturday night teams for a player that I thought was going to play on Sunday. So again, four columns, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and especially put them in order and, and tick them off as they get named in your team and scenario build around that, you know, that last group of Saturday night and into Sunday um, if they're not best 22. Okay, we're going to go into some structure decisions now. Jeb, how much is too much when trying to save at the ruck position? What are the risks associated with spending all the way down? Your thoughts? So to upgrade, when we upgrade a rook, and obviously we're insinuating the R2 rookie position here. Um, <clears throat> when we upgrade, we typically like just two trades, one to downgrade and the other to upgrade. So Gorn or Grundy, they're the top two rucks. Typically we're going to upgrade to one of those down the season. So how long will it take for a Flynn, a Meek or a Hunter to generate an upcash? to upgrade to Gorn or Grundy during the season. And you would probably say halfway through. Now, the issue with that is, are Meek, Flynn, Hunter going to play till halfway through the season? Very likely. Very Sorry, very unlikely not to, to happen. So um, Flynn's looking the best of the most of most of them with um, Bruce's extended injury. But, you know, Darcy for Meek is breathing down his neck. You've got Paddy Ryder, who potentially could be back in a week, two weeks, a month, we, we don't know. Um, and then Marshall, 
is about round four or five. So we, we, I'd hate using three trades for an upgrade. I hate doing two downgrades and then one upgrade. and It just doesn't seem right to me. So have that at the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about the R2 spot. Now, in saying that, I, I do have a rookie in my R2 spot um, just because of the other lines and what I feel is, is best generated and also the backup, having Meek or Hunter as backup to a Flynn or vice versa. You know, it's it's actually, it makes a lot of sense to have that R2 um, locked as a, as a rook just for the cash generation and you're pretty much guaranteeing 60 points almost a game from a from a rookie ruck with all the hit outs and, and that they typically get. So say that all three of them will average 20 hit outs minimum, you know, it's 20 points before we start. So a couple of tackles in that and a couple of kicks and marks and away we go. So it's a safe bet. Um, definitely don't do the dual rookie ruck. That's, yeah. I think that's, that's not, not feasible. Um, again, from to trade up down the track too, but, um, yeah, having the R2 rookie ruck is is okay. Um, preparing in mind, like, we could be have our hearts broken with Hunter where Paddy Riders comes back for round two. Like, that, that is a 50-50 go at the minute, I, I feel. Um, so it could, could be some short love there. And then same with Meek, when, when's Darcy back, you know? Yes, Treese is more your key forward type. He's not your ruck type. Um, and he... Actually, I don't know how that appeal went tonight. Tomorrow. Um, well, it's tomorrow, is it? So you need to adjust. So if yeah. is out for three weeks, that might be a little bit more job security for me. Go on. Yeah. So, look, it, it's um, it's just gauging all of that. Now, potentially Meek and Darcy can play together. There's a whole bunch of scenarios, but yep. likely they're probably not. Um, it, yeah. So, basically, that's, that's the structure for me for R2. I th- think... Um, the risk is, like I said, not burning too many trades to upgrade. And um, yeah, what do you what do you think, Pete? It's 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 a it's a big call. It is seriously a big call, and I know plenty of seasoned fantasy coaches that are not doing it. So for me, uh, it's about tracking all three situations. So it's about where does Hunter stand, where does Meek stand, and where does um, Briggs stand with Flint, so obviously Flint is the one. So Briggs played well in the AME Community Series. Flint had a sore ankle, but he's been named to debut this week. But Leon Cameron said his game was fantastic. So, and we know Leon Cameron last year at the Giants, he had a very short trigger on Sam Jacobs, which I still can't believe to this day. So there must be must have been something else at play there. So. And that's why I need to watch that documentary because it's still sort of beyond belief that he was going Mumford over Jacobs. But anyway, I'll digress. So, but the, the, but what that told me last year is he's got a very short leash. So Flynn could be in that same situation. Yep. So it's not a guarantee. Secondly, Meek. Now, if Tracy is suspended for three weeks, so he's got three weeks or none now. So if he goes for three weeks, that's probably solidifies Meek in that mm-hmm. team a little bit more. But, you know, does Justin Longmuir want to play a dual ruck sitter? So that'll be... He did say that Barcy can go forward, but, you know, two lumbering top players out there, how good is that going to be for the team structure? But, you know, that could be one week in, one week out. And 
whether they'll probably decide it now how they're going to set up, but you know that's a fluid situation from a week-to-week basis. And we know that Fremantle have got some injuries, so there's going to be some type of volatility there. So again, back to Meek, there's no guarantees. Now, with Hunter, he actually did really well against Pitnett. I thought he scored well, and I think he can score well this week. Check weather forecast for St Kilda GWS as well. So there might be some weather issues there this week. Now, there are two scenarios here for Hunter. Uh, one angle is the Marshall injury. Now, he's back at training, and it's p- potentially round three, round four, that he could be available. And the other one that you mentioned was Ryder. You know, how long we have no definitive decision yet on when he's going to come back. So if he comes back at round two or round three, and, you know, that's the same scenario as when Marshall comes back and you have Hunter in your team, that's also an issue. So all three have zero guarantees. Um, I do have R2, uh, or 170K that I'm going to start. So I'm playing with fire and I am doing it, okay? So, but I know all three scenarios are not good for me. So I'm I'm gonna see how that plays out, but I'm going to go down that direction. Uh, I did play with the idea of spending up for both Gorn and Grundy this year, again, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going down a different path. So we'll see how that plays out. So, but for me, so I'm playing with fire. I know what I'm in for. Um, I need to probably hit three games from uh, a couple of those uh, to get the payoff because that might get me to like a 500k player. So obviously you take the profit that you've just made off the player that you're playing. You know, hopefully he can hit 350k and then if you've got another one in your team and he hits a 350k, you know, all of a sudden you get to about mid 500s for, for a, a ruck if you need to change course. So that's my thought on the ruck position, those rooks. Back to you, Jeff. You're thinking what I just said. Yeah, so completely agree. And I think just I'll just add, in the scenario of three weeks cash generation from one or two of them, having McAvoy in your defence is a backup that, again, a lot are considering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an easier flip, isn't it, to downgrade a Meek, Hunter, Flynn, whatever, down to a base Rook and then flip McAvoy if you think McAvoy's worth it to your defence. Um, I've looked at it. I don't feel like McAvoy is going to have um, enough centre bounce um, influence personally, but um, I've been wrong before and I'll probably be wrong again. Um, yeah, so that's another thing to consider. So. Uh, you know, Royal Marshall was in my team before he got injured for that yeah, reason as well. Me too. Like, and, exactly. and I, I reckon he would have been, especially if he was fit. Obviously, wouldn't have Hunter, but I reckon eighty percent of us would have had Royal Marshall just sitting at F one or F two and just laughing yeah. at um, yeah. just as sleeping better at night. But yeah, it is. I, I, yeah, let's not discount that. Yeah, you're right, Leon Cameron, short fuse and the like, but Flynn was pretty awesome in those intra clubs and scratchies. Um, so he gets first dibs at it. He's hoping he does his role and job. Um, Hunter's obviously, they're, they're a similar sort of background, aren't they? But um, it's going to be wet. There's going to be a lot of contests. Who's going to tackle all that kind of thing in the short term of it? 
So, yeah, he's hoping Flynn does his job week to week and we can sleep easy. But, um, yeah, I, I just see the rookie ruck as a huge, huge risk. Okay, a couple of things here. We'll finish off on this situation. Is McAvoy did say in the preseason, and this has stuck with me all the way through, he said that he's not in a position at his age to play a full season at the number at the number one ruck spot. Now, we now we know he's moved out of defence because the Hawks are setting up differently in defence yeah. this year. He's going to split a role with Segler and, well, obviously McAvoy and Segler are going to play a forward ruck split role. So we'll see how that plays out. And that sort of puts you in a situation of thinking, what are the Hawks doing in the forward line? So that comes into the Kazitsi role and, you know, you've got O'Brien there and, you know, how they're going to play that out. So, you know, I think they played two rucks this year. It would be better if they just playing McAvoy. But going back onto what McAvoy said, I don't think he's in a situation where he's going to play full season at the number one ruck spot. But then again, he is the captain. So you would yeah. think that he will be playing... Every week, if he, you know, if he's fit, he's playing every week. So, so that that sort of adds a bit just, of a positive on that. You know that he's captain. So yeah, you know that sort exactly. of you know sort of kind of locks him in that he's going to be playing. So if there's a situation where they go down to one rack all of a sudden, well, we know it's McAvoy ain't getting dropped unless he's playing terribly. So, all right, back to you, Jeff. Yeah. So just with McAvoy, he's on SEN a day or two ago, and he. I think he didn't let it slip, but he just said he'll be playing ruck forward. Yeah, yeah. So there's no more defence. No. Um, he, he, um, there's no more defence. So yeah, he's captain of that football club. He starts at centre bounces for me. It's just how, what's the job, what's the role share between yeah. ruck and forward between him and Segler? Because we know they're going to play two rucks. So you know, average of 62. Getting to 82, I don't think will be too hard, even in a 50-50 split. I honestly don't think it will be too hard. So lots to consider, lots of... Yeah, it's this ruck thing. What did we say about, what, two months ago? Um, R2's keep me up at night, and it still is. Yeah, okay, so we'll just finish off here. Now, out of Meek, out of Hunter, out of Flynn, all right, we're going to do two, two questions here for you. Rank them in order of the best job security and then rank them in order of the best scorer. So we'll go job security first. Do you want me to go first and then you? Or yeah, you either or. Either or. Okay. Like, uh, you go for job security. What do you got? Yep. So Flynn one, mm-hmm. Meek two, Hunter three. Mm. And then scoring potential, I've got Hunter one, Flynn two, Meek three. I might flip, in that scoring one, I might flip Meek to number two and Flynn to number three. Because I, I think I'm not too confident on his ability to rack up some disposals. And he is lightly framed compared to most other bulls. So yeah. whether he gets pushed away out of the way, it hit out. So I think I think he's got a pretty low floor. So I'm actually happy to put Meek at number two. I think Hunter's the number one. And we're both the same thoughts on that. Now, as far as job security is concerned, this is the most difficult one. And then this is why I'm saying I'm playing with absolute fire. Is if I can't actually confidently say one, two, three is this player, this player, this player, well, I, you know, I'm asking for trouble. But you know, I love the trouble, and we'll see how that plans out. Uh, but in in the end, like for me, I say that there's one person that's going to win overall fantasy classic, overall fantasy classic, and like. You just you got to be out there, man. Anyway, yeah, that's it. So 
I still like I can't really decide. Um, so I'll probably go Flynn one. Is that what you had? Yep. I'll probably go Flynn one, but just in my mind as what Leon Cameron's going to do potentially pretty early on. Anyway, so I'd go him number one. I'd probably go meet number two at this stage. Yep. And I think Hunter number three, only because, yeah, he's got two angles coming back at him. Because That's I, right. Because I think, I think if one of them comes, Ryder or Marshall comes back, I think they're going to play McKernan because he can play that full role exactly. well better than what Hunter can. Correct. Um, and actually it was quite impressive in that Amy Series game, McKernan, so maybe that's where that stands. All right, Jack, we'll leave that one there. So we'll just go into the next structured decision question. Which part of the ground do you think the value currently sits? Now, I asked you this a few weeks ago, yeah. and you said forward line. Now I that, did. And I just, that blew my mind. <laughs> but you could have, like, from what from what we were staring at a few weeks ago, that you said that. But anyway, everyone looks at things differently, and, and, and that's why I like listening to what you say, because you make me think of, you know, either I've got something wrong or I need to start thinking about something differently. But a different opinion doesn't mean to say people are wrong. What I what I like about it is it makes you makes me think even more. So okay, yeah. where does the value sit? And if you say forward line again, you're gonna blow my mind again. Yeah, so I still think it's a forward line, oh. but for a reason. So I don't I don't have a traditional primo at my F one because I can't excuse the mid prices that exist in the forward line. Now, in my defence, I have a couple of primos in there, um, primo defenders, that I can't say no to. So, yes, we have the Jordan Clarks of the world in defence and Hayden Youngs of the world in defence and we'll throw a McAvoy for Pete's sake as well. But you've also got the Phillips of the worlds and the Cornwells of the worlds in, in your forward line. So I only say the forward line because I don't have a traditional primo F1. That's why I'm saying there's more value in the forwards. Personally, but I get we're spoiled for choice. And look, the way the game is trending with defenders and the halfbacks and the Caleb Daniels and the shorts, and we can throw Tom Stewart in there and all the rest of them, you know, Lloyd especially, injured or not injured, who cares? He, um, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of points generated from defence this season, more than ever. And I think that's more your angle, what you you mean in value. You mean what your actual return will be for defenders versus forwards, where I'm looking at starting. I was initially, you know, that when we spoke about it a month ago, I was looking at more the structure and the cost of, of our players, not necessarily points. Now, I agree. Our defenders this year, probably for the first time in a long time, is probably outscore our forwards. Um, and that's huge to say. But if we're going to play possession footy in AFL in 2021, mark my words, defenders are going to kill it. So, um, yeah, I still say forwards, again, for the reasons said. Um, but, no, you know, little disclaimer, defenders will outscore the forwards this year. Yeah, I agree with what you think there on, on defenders. Um, if you, For listeners who did listen to the solo podcast pre this one, so episode 66, I did go through a few scenarios which I thought some players in certain parts of the grounds would score well this year. So you can go back and have a listen to that. Now, I think it's a little bit more balanced from what I thought it was a few weeks ago. I still think the defensive part of the ground has enormous value this year. And that's probably on top of what I've seen over the last few weeks. 
Now the midfielder, we've actually got a, a quite a depth of um, picks to choose uh, from below that probably 650k to 400 range. So there's actually quite a bit of value in there in some mid prices. But again, you've you've actually got to hit, pretty much hit on the right ones. Um, so there's no use getting on a player, you know, for mid 400s or early 500s that's going to pop out there and score mid 70s or low 70s. You, that, they pretty much need to hit, you know, up yeah. 85s, 90s, 95s. So that's it. So you what you need to do there is to really think how high their ceiling is, and to really target those players. So that the, the those mid prices who you don't think can get there, and I'll, I'll pick out one player here, it's Ben Cunnington. Like he's going to play. Like I think he's going to be okay for early in the season at round one this week from concussion protocol. But I just don't think he has that high ceiling. And when you think of his role this year, and then you think on top of that for another layer that the Kangaroos in a re- rebuild mode, you know, there's going to be some volatility. And and I'll add another layer to that. The, the Kangaroos went to the draft and, and recruited mids. So yeah. you're going to get a lot of midfield usage and it's going to be a volatile situation. He's going to be pushed forward. And, and I'll add another layer on top of that. You know, if he's playing forward, what the Kangaroos aren't going to score well this year. I, I pretty much think that they're going to be bottom two, three this year in the AFL. So that means they're not going to score well. Percentage is going to be bad. They're going to concede a lot of points. The ball's not going to be inside of 450. And if he's playing a 60, even a 60-40 Midfield forward split, you know, but, and he doesn't have a high ceiling to begin with. You're actually potentially asking for a low ceiling there. So those are the types of players at a mid price that I will be flat out avoiding. There's no chance I'm going nowhere anywhere near them. However, the youth like a Matt Rail, yes, but you've got to factor in can he hit those high scores again this year? I think his shoulder's fine. They've just held him back this year, so I think he should be fine. Uh, you got the Rory Sloan's in there. Uh, Braden Sawyer, I don't think he's going to be in that round one team for Collingwood. So you got to think, you know, if he... And uh, Mitch Cleary on Twitter said that he was in the B-side for uh, training today, I believe. But he was in the B-side, yeah. I think, for intra-club match last week. So even if he does play this week, you've got to imagine that that job security is not strong. So you need to factor in job security with it going for mid-pricer as well. And again, you need to actually hit on these mid prices. So they need to they actually need to hit a rocket and, and jet off to the moon. Um, so for me, it's defenders. I think the midfields are quite strong. And I'll give you some credit here. Uh, the forwards are a lot better than what I thought they were going to be from a few weeks ago. So I'll give you some credit points for that one. All right. Okay. How many mids, Jeb? This is a team question for you and I. How yep. many mids do you have over 800k to start the season? Three. Me too. Now, three weeks ago, I think you asked me that question. I did. I had zero. You did. So now <laughs> I have three. So we, we, Chip and I talk pre-podcast, and he goes, I know what you're doing this year. You're doing this, this, and this, and this, and you're not going to have many rookies on the ground. Because I did tell him three weeks ago that I had no midfielders over 800 so he's pretty much thinking I was going a mid price option this year but now I have three what are your thoughts yeah it's good I think it's healthy I think um, one of them has to be captain choice um, and that is a part of having you know you said earlier you had three probably captain choices to start round one which is great um, and then obviously the, the ceiling of, of some of these midfielders and and they're obvious we'll talk like I'm not shy to shame name, name names you know Zach Merritt is 
He could be anything. He right. could be 140. Um, we don't... Like, he has not missed a beat all pre-season. You tweeted today yeah. the comments from their fitness manager, I think it was. 100% he's done. And he has done 100% of pre-season. Now, this guy wants a new contract. People are forgetting this guy is out of contract. He wants the big bucks. There is a lot on the table for him. Um, and Essendon are at a, at a time where they need their kids to come up. Um, they're not in a rebuilding phase as such, but they're in that awkward sort of no-man's land phase, I suppose, where they're probably not contending, but they're not really the bottom of the barrel. So lots, you know, the role is going to be there. The keys to the car are going to be there for Zach. It is just a no-brainer, no matter what it costs. He could cost 950 and I'd still have him, I think. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's it's... It's really the team balance where having three primos over 800 grand in your mids is is you know is great. So I said three, and I've still got a scenario build left in my team to do. I actually might start with four. four. How, how does that make you feel? Um, no, it's it's fine because I've pretty much toyed with every every midfield scenario too. I think I've been pretty set in my defence and forward line, but I have mucked around a lot with Rooks mid-prices and primos in my mids. Um, I think the three primo mids, though, are pretty locked. I, I can't... So let's look at the, the primo mid options. Like, Lucky Neil, I just... I'm off him because of... We're going to 20-minute quarters. We've got... A scenario where he's not, and this is probably going to bite me in the ass, but he's not the fittest bloke in the world, and he can't play two positions. So having, he, yes, he's going to be 85% on that ball, but I just think the ball is going to fly past him a lot this year, more than last year. He suited the reduced time a lot, and I don't think the extended quarter is going to suit him in any way, shape, or form. So that's why he's at. Before, We've got, before, oh, before you go into the second one, Lockie yep. Neal today, quote, I feel probably the fittest of been leading into a season. So anyway, go on, Jeb. Yeah, okay. Um, there you go. Um, then we got Oliver and Adams, who have really been hampered by injuries. Um, they're, they're two I'd love to have in my team if they were fully fit, but I just can't do it. Who was the second one there? Oliver and Adams. Yep, okay. So... You know, Adams, I could you could pull the trigger on. And then I like Jack Steele, yeah, sure. Probably not 100% on Jack. It's it's really... Then Titch has got this shoulder problem again to start the year. Trelaw, new team, he's going to find his way to start with. Josh Kelly, didn't like his centre-bounce attendances at all. Um, and then the Bont, who is just a, the Rolls-Royce. And did, I think did you, I'm... Did you see I'll put him in my top 10 midfielders? Yeah, yeah, I did. Number 10, I think I had him in. Oh, yeah, look, and, but you know, you laughed at me last year when I had him at round one, and yeah, it scarred me. Year. Yeah, it scarred me. So, um, I just can't do it again personally, but I could understand why people would. Next level um, coming in this year. Yeah, and, and, and I, if you're thinking yeah, Brownlow. Yeah, and look, there's no doubt, but he's going to get attention, um, and that's, that's normal. Um, but, when he gets attention, he's just going to be flung forward, isn't he, and just do damage. So, yeah, Bond is probably the only other one, just over 800k, that I would probably lock in. Um, but he's still scarred from last year, starting with a 55 and 
didn't really get going till mid-year. So, um, yeah, look, it's, again, three or four play, uh, midfielders over 800 grand is more about team balance than anything. You're picking those three, four players for the whole year. They mm-hmm. ain't moving. No. So you, when you're picking them now, they are there for the 22 rounds or whatever Pretty we've got, 23 yeah. rounds. Unless they get injured, yeah. So, yeah, unless of injuries, of course. Cool. So, yeah, mate, um, if you think Bont's going to be there or whoever you think in the fourth one, all for it. Back so, yourself. So, for, for my thinking on how many mids do you have over 800k, is more based along, well, my answer of three, maybe to four, and the players that I want to target, is more based along how I think the game is going to go this year, as in... Uh, game styles from for many teams. Now I yep. think I think the corridor is more in play this year, so yep. I'd be really fascinated to see after the first four, five, six rounds how much the corridor is used compared to previous years. I remember one of the famous quotes from Mick Moldhouse. Um, he said about the corridor uh, when when he was coaching Collingwood, and I think it was actually after he finished coaching Carlton. He said the only corridor that I knew was in my house. So remember you used to play around the boundary at Collingwood? Every time. It was yep. around the boundary and, you know, players do not kick in the corridor. Because if you kick into the corridor, you're just asking for a turnover and get smashed on the other way. But with this new play on the mark rule, what it does is it opens up that, and and I think a few of the boys on Mitch's podcast, it, it opens up that 45 kick. Now, the players mm. that you want in the corridor are the high-efficient-by-foot types. Now, let me go through, like, like the Zach Merritt. Like, he can take yeah. he can take a mark uh, coming up to half-back, and then he'll just turn on a 45 and hit someone in the middle of the ground. Correct. Or, or vice versa, he's in the middle of the ground to be hit. Spot on. So then, then I'll go for, like, an outside type, like an Andrew Gaff type. Um, or a McRae type or a Lockie Hunter type um, that can hit targets by foot, I think they're going to be highly valuable this year. Now, my, my belief, and this is what I said in the previous podcast in episode 66, I think contested position might go down a little bit. I think uncontested marks go, might go up a little bit. Yeah. But the other thing is, is that once coaches get a hold of what other teams are doing, that they'll implement changes. So I think we're going to see major, well, maybe not major, I think we're going to see a wild fluctuation in, in how teams approach it from the start of the season to what we see at the end of the season. I'll obviously find a different story, and I think it goes up uh, a notch with contested possession. So what we did see in the AME series is that Carlton Kilda game is that that was, that was actually quite wild. And I go, there's no way known that coaches are going to allow this get to go on for 22 games. Is it, like, it's just impossible. And this is why they freak out about the sub, because, the, you know, if you go down to a play with injury and these players have to do back-to-normal game length with reduced rotations, yeah, you know, that's where they're just freaking out and going, there's no way. So that just makes me think, if the coaches are freaking out about what they're going to do to the players with reduced interchange rotations down at 75... Well, the only con- if there's no sub introduced, if there is, that's fine. If it's not, what they can control is load management of players within games. And you know what that is? That is just chipping it around and, and mm-hmm. controlling the clock into a situation where you're not going into contested situations. So we've seen that happen last year with Geelong. 
they actually managed their home and away season fantastically well. Now, what we did see was them control a lot of the ball along the wings, and players like Duncan and Menegola and, and Guthrie, they put up whopping, some whopping scores. So I think that is a chance to be in play if it just gets out of control early in the season. I think coaches will slow it down. We heard, I've heard Damien Harwick say after that Collingwood game in the AMU series that he, you know, they took more contested marks in one game than what they did for two games last year. So, you know, Richmond aren't a contested, uh, sorry, uncontested mark team. They're not so if they're going to uncontested marks, and this is Richmond who move the ball quite efficiently. I mean, exactly. what's a Collingwood going to do? What's a yeah. Fremantle going to do? Because that's all they do. They just chip it around, and Collingwood, Collingwood's the the king at it. They'll just kick it around half back until such time as that they want to move the ball forward. Now the the offset to that is is that they teams can go through the corridor more this year and move the ball more efficiently. And not only that, the big killer here is there's players kicking in from full back they're given an extra five meters this year that's actually pretty major now I'll, we i know we had a question early in our pre-season here with a um, listener asking you know does that open up the short kicks of the pocket more well if you do that you're, you're inviting pressure in from opposition teams but what that extra five meters has done like if you imagine like an adam Saar taking off from full back he's going to kick the ball out onto that midway point of the ground and then it's just a, a battle to get the ball and then win it back inside 50, whoever wins it, you know. But if you go through the corridor and start hitting targets with these efficient-type midfielders, and this is who I'm targeting, you know, elite elite uh, efficiency by foot. Like, yeah. like I'm just giving away my strat is, you know, these are the players I'm targeting. It doesn't matter who they are. I just want those guys because I think they will be wholly um, valuable assets this year. Your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, spot on. Um you're right, and we, we think the same. And I did say to you pre-pod that um, I'm targeting also the mid, the mark kick midfielders mm. um, and not so much the tackle ball midfielders that I have in previous years. So, yeah, um, Hardwick again yesterday on 360 was saying that he prefers the contested and direct yeah. game. Um, but to his admission... You know, and then we got Jaden Short, and we've probably got a lot of midfielders at Richmond that, you know, there's probably a value pick in Cochin, really, um, in, in that theory. But how it plays out, you know, words and how it plays out and how it develops more during the year. Like, we could start in an uncontested fashion, but and like you said, finals footy is always contested. It, it, I can't think of a time, time where it hasn't been. So... Um, it's how it develops, and we come back to our initial five points of the season is keeping on top of the news, keeping on top of the trends, following yourself and and following myself and, um, and making sure we're, we're all on the news and not all of us can watch nine games a weekend, but um, you and I do, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be there with, um, with how it's trending. One of my key points was identify those players that have close proximity to the ball. Now, if yeah. I bring that back to what I just said about utilising players through the corridor, that's exactly what I am meaning. All right, we'll get off that point. So I did post out on Twitter today, decision on Brody Grundy. So I'll ask you, Jep, Brody Grundy, yes or no? Yes. It's, um, it's it's, a, it, you know it's a no for me, yeah? Yeah. Now, I know everyone's excited by Gorn's... Well, you, I don't think you... Well, you can elaborate more how you're going, but Gorn, everyone's excited about Gorn's first four opponents. 
But I look at it the other way. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's going to have 50 hitouts and 20 possessions. And that might be the case. I could be wrong. But what if they hold Gorn back and let Luke Jackson take the junk time and really protect Gorn in those first four weeks um, or throwing forward or whatever? You know, I think people are underestimating the effect and development of Luke Jackson this year. And they have played Gorn behind the ball as a safety player in the past, and it has happened in preseason. So, look, Grundy didn't have the greatest preseason game, but and that just suits me fine because the more people off him on, on Gorn is, you know, is great. I'm going to bank that 70-odd thousand and use it elsewhere in my field because I need it, one. And two, you know, Grundy is Grundy. So, yeah. Uh, for me, I think Grundy, well, I've said it, all along pre-season. I think he's a great pick. Now, obviously, if we get an extra couple of mil in our salary tab, I'm picking Grundy. But we, it's a salary tab game, and I didn't need to make a sacrifice there. And it's not really a player that I want to sacrifice, but based on the, my strategy to start the year, again, it could be wildly off. Now, you know, I, I'm not starting with him. So the, the next question for you, and you don't know the answer to this, is that, I've told you I'm not starting with Grundy. Who do you think mm. I'm starting with at R1? Well, I know it's not Gorn. You, so you know it's not Gorn? I'm guessing it's not Gorn, but hit me. I'm keeping, the suspense is killing me, man. Well, tell not me. telling you. No, okay. Well, look, I don't think it is Gorn, just because you just mentioned it's a salary cap game, and obviously Gorn's more expensive than Grundy. So mm. I would think you are trending towards O'Brien at max, but I think it would be a wits. A, uh, a wits at R1 is my... If I were to put 20 bucks on it, it would be wits. Okay, I'll send you through the DM once. once, <laughs> once no, you won't. Yeah, after the, after the uh, round one final lockout, you'll send it through. Yeah, and we'll see how we go with I'll, I'll wait in suspense, buddy. Okay, which part of the ground are you thin... Or exposed at round one? Forward line. Yep. Yeah, and that's just based on the rooks, really. Um, and this is pretty vanilla. So the, we've got our quality rooks in the forward line. So for team balance, like, I don't have a starting rookie defender, but I've got three starting um, forward rookie forwards, which are all pretty generic. So it's identifying that cash generation. Um and that's where I'm my weakest, and that's where I'm going to be having that and R2 are my big risks in my side. I think I'm very well balanced elsewhere, um, potentially to issues with backup ruck, uh, backup defenders, sorry, backup defenders in the usual suspects, and if they get dropped early and, and that kind of thing through form, which could, you know, that's a 50-50 chance happening as well. So... But, yeah, probably most exposed through the forward line. Looking to solve that issue, though, in these last 48 hours. Yeah, probably the forward line for me as well. Uh, got some got some wild picks in that forward line, so we'll see how that plays out. So, yeah, the forward line for me, I agree with that as well. Okay, let's get on to a few key players that the listeners have requested for us to discuss. So it's time to play like, dislike. You can add a comment if you like. And we're going to do a 10-pack right here to finish off the podcast. Okay, Jack, Jack Zebel, like or dislike? Dislike, not going to take too many marks. Yeah, for me, I, I actually like Zebel. Um, I don't have him in my team right now, but he sat there 
since he was named to go to defence. So since uh, the Amy community series, I've taken him out, but he did sit there for quite a few weeks. So um, I still like, and I'm still toying with the idea. Okay, Jake Lloyd, like or dislike? Like, um, he's going to smash it this season. Yeah, for me, I like to, and he did have a knee injury, but he's ready to go round one. I think he will post enormous scores this year. Okay, on to Jaden Short from Richmond. Basher Hawley is going to miss round one. Uh, potential there for a return at round two. What are your thoughts on Jaden Short, Jep? Like or dislike? Uh, dislike. I'm probably one of the few. It's just, again, what Hardwick said yesterday just reaffirms how... I don't actually know how Richmond are going to play, and I don't think we can yeah, put our hand on our heart and say they're going to play a bit more of the Mark Kick game because that's not their go. Their structure is the chaos ball forward line running running packs. So that's they've been their winning formula for so long. Um, I just can't see them changing it. So expect volatile scores from Short, and with that, it's a dislike for me. Yeah, I love Jaden Short to start the season. Uh, I think he could be a top six defender. And if those contested marks are high for the Tigers, I think he'll play a major part in that. So a big like there for Jaden Short. Jordan Clark coming in at a mid-price there, so he's quite a bit of value. Uh, Geelong did actually confirm that he's playing round one, so you would imagine that he's locked in for that team for quite a while. Probably going to play that wing role, halfback role, and be that line-breaking type player. I think Cats are going to get the ball in his hand uh, as much as possible. And going back to some theory here, uh, it's the Adam Saar types, it's the Jordan Clark types, it's these types of players that can break lines in the AFL that I think are going to be critical this year. So that's these uh, high metres game type players. So, Jep, Jordan Clark, like, dislike? Yeah, like. Um, I'll just add to that fact that you know, Geelong have been renowned for, as a slow football team for a while, and that's now they've added Isaac Smith. They've got Clark in the 22 for the short term at minimum, so they're looking for these line breakers, like you said. So, yeah, big year for Jordan. Yeah, like Clark, uh, to start the year, I think he is quite a bit of value at his salary. Okay, Sam Walsh, for me, I've already said on the previous podcast, is the why. Uh, for me, it's a like. I'm not starting with him, but I do like him. Uh, just playing the ownership uh, scenario there for me to get off him to go to someone else. So for me, it's a like. Jeff. What do you think? Like of this? Like? Yeah, I like him. I um I think he's destined for a big year. I think the role's going to be in his favour um, and in our favour for or well, in the favour for owners. And uh, yeah, he did turn it over a few times in the Amy, which sort of had me shocked, but um. Hopefully he irons that out and he's of value to Carlton. Yeah, he's going to be, won't be number one at centre bounces, I believe. I still think it's going to be Cripps. But he's still got Kurnow and Williams when he returns in round two. And then, so Kurnow, Williams and Walsh. So it's going to be those top four there. And Lockie, if he hits 70% centre bounces, I think he's really good. I think he, he, potentially you can need 110. And that would be great for those who are going to start with Walsh at round one. Okay, on to Patrick Dangerfield. Did have some groin issues. He actually looked quite well in practice matches. Your thoughts, like or dislike? Uh, yeah, I love him. 
Um, I can't fit him in, though, at the same time. But I still think, you know, we think or we know he's going to get more midfield time than he did last year with the forward. And they talked about his groin injury last year and he got protected in the forward line. I didn't buy into all of that. But um, it's a lot of mark kicks for Patrick Dangerfield this year as well as the goal of game, as well as the tackles in in the guts and the thick of it and the hard ball gets, which doesn't really apply to fantasy. But, um, yeah, it's more marks of Dangerfield this year way more marks, and it's more points. He's a value primo. Matthew Rail, obviously had his season cut short early last year with a shoulder reconstruction. He, The Suns have actually been very patient with him during his rehabilitation, and he was a little bit restricted in his practice matches, but I think he's good to go round one. What are you thinking, Jep? Like or dislike? I just, I'm off him and of the shoulder. So the shoulder issue is a big thing for me. Um, Tackles? I think they're just going to protect him a little bit. I think Brow might play a bit more outside than he did last year. Just a little bit of protection to start the year. So, and I can't um, guarantee he's going to be a consistent store, scorer to start the season, which we need our mid-prices to be. Yeah. So uh, for that reason, I'm off him. Um, and he's not in my team. But... It could change, <laughs> as it always does. Yeah, he, look, it's a scenario where I could see him averaging 100 quite easily in, yeah. his, in his like fifth game or whatever it's going to be uh, to start the year, So, which is quite amazing, but I think he's that t- going to be that type of player anyway. Uh, but if we go, if I've talked about we're going to play a little bit of a less contested style game, you know, those tackle, he drop a couple of tackles off each game, that's eight yeah. points, you know? And then, and, and then if you're going to drop a couple of tackles off from the new game style, potentially, you know, what are you going to do with someone who's coming off a shoulder reconstruction? Are you going to drop another one or two tackles off there? So all of a sudden you start to think about how many points you're going to drop off just based on tackles. Yeah, and and Titch, you know, after Titch's um, shoulder injury last year or the year before, that's sort of in the back of my mind with Rao, you know. Yeah, we had that drop from, from Mitchell and I just anticipated a drop from Rao as well. Okay, interesting. interested to hear your thoughts here. I did have my thoughts on this player in episode 66 on Joy Caldwell. Yep, like or dislike? No, I like him. I think the role's there. I, I, he didn't set the world alight in Amy, but I think it will come together for him. And, yeah, he's, he's that um, value pick, isn't he, at 500 grand or 502,000. So, no, I, I think... A lot will go right for Caldwell. Again, Essendon, like Merritt, in between. They're not really contending, but they're not at the bottom of the barrel. So, yeah, I think there's there's a role there for, for Jai that we can cash in on. I think the, I definitely think the role's there. If, but I'll throw this question back to you. Is he a Mark Kick top midfielder? Yeah, he is. Oh, I remember him being that. And that's why his points per minute at the Giants... Um, before he got stuffed around a bit, was so high mm. because he'd take those mark kicks. So Merritt's obviously the mark kick go-to first up, and that probably doesn't play in Caldwell's favour, now that I say that out loud. Um, but he's more of a mark kick midfielder, in my opinion, than you know inside mid-ball that he's... Some, some have made him out to be. So, yeah... Uh, 
look, five, ultimately, you, at that many set of bounces with Essendon's game style, at 500 grand, you can't go too wrong, can you? Yeah, for me, I think he is that contested type player. I don't think he's that really marquee type guy. But then again, our sample size is actually quite small from what we've seen at the Giants and what we've yeah. seen in practice matches. So we don't really have a big sample size. I'm curious and questionable to honour his ceiling. So now, if I bring it back to what I just said a few minutes ago, these mid-prices, you get, they're going to have to do 85s, 90s, and 95s to be an absolutely boom pick. So yeah. for me, I, I just couldn't get him up to 90, 95. I'm going to say dislike, but I think there are you know, 7.5 ticks out of 10 for him. So I think it's not that bad a, a pick to start the season. Uh, the role is definitely there. Okay, on to Collingwood, we're going to go with Jack Crisp. Now, we do have Howe back in that team at round one. Isaac Quainor is part of that half-back line distributing type player. We've got Maynard in there as well. How much ball can go to Jack Crisp, Jeff? Well, we talk, you, you said and your words were who are the players going to be around the ball. From back of centre to midfield, it's Crisp. Mm-hmm. And again, another player that's going to love these plus sixes. So... Very much trying to fit him in, very much. Um, and there's not a lot of love for him for whatever reason. So that helps. So, yeah, really, really like him. Yeah, I did my top 10 defenders, and I didn't have him in the top 10. But I did have him in at equal ninth, as in averaging 95. So he's right in the, in the mix there for me to, to be a top defender. You know, if he, if he bumps up an, an extra uh, plus six there, you know, he can hit a 100 average quite easily. So he's right in the mix. He wasn't in my top 10, but it doesn't mean to say he's, he's no good. I think he's actually quite good. I don't mind him to start the year. We know Collingwood possess the ball a lot across halfback. I'll be interested to see how they play the early rounds of the season. Okay, Jeff, the final one here, Tom Stewart. I do like him. I actually have him the same as Crisp at a 95 average to start the year in that top 10 article. Um, I don't think he's a bad pick. I think he's quite solid. And if he's going to take an extra few plus sixes across that back line, uh, he can break 100 quite easily. But I, I had him at 95 to start the season. For, so for me, it's a like, but he's not in my top 10. Your thoughts, Jeff? Like, dislike? No, I love him. Um, I think he's the simple quarterback for, for Geelong and, and they like the ball in his hands. And, yeah, he... Um, He'll love these new rules a lot, and they suit him to a T. So, yeah, I think he should pretty easily um, average over 100, personally. So, here's the thing with Stewart. If the Cats blow out a team, and they're just running the, the end of the clock in that last quarter, he could put up staggering numbers. He could, like, put up a 40 or 50 spot in a quarter. Like, and you know, so, yeah. that's, that's just what I'm thinking with this low management. Now, we seem guess, to... We seem yeah, we seen Geelong last year manage that clock because obviously they're playing on four-day, four-day breaks. So yeah. they actually slowed the game down and just chipped it around. Now, in this scenario, Chris Scott, I actually think is quite sharp, is that, you know, round one is not important. What's important to them is the grand final, is winning a premiership. So you need yeah. to get your whole group ready for that final series. Now, they fell a little bit short last year, though they had a great season. And I think they'll do the same again this year. So I think Geelong are actually going to hang on to the ball quite a lot in scenarios where they have blown teams out. Your thoughts, Chip? 
Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you earlier. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. Um, I'm actually laughing because I'm, not, I'm nodding my head back here. Um, it's guess who Geelong play round one? Well, you should know. They play Adelaide. Yeah. Now, how many marks in Houston and um, even Bergman? Monster. Um, oh, what's the um, number three uh, from Hawthorne? Burton, yeah. you know, they all absolutely killed it. So, obviously, it's a long season, but Geelong play Adelaide round one. Um, you, yeah, it's big things from Stewart. And that clock management, 100% right, mate. I could not agree with you more, and I bloody hell, I hope our listeners are really taking that on board. Um, and that's why it's a year of the halfbacks, and that's why guys like Danger, Stewart, and Jordan Clark are going to be in Guthrie. They're going to be huge, huge value this year. It's just for me, can they be consistent enough? So can Danger roll out 120 most weeks or or 100 every week? Or will he get wrapped in cotton wool, 65% game time because he's got a niggle or whatever? Um, and same with Guthrie and, and even Stewart to a point. So can they be consistent scorers? Because when you've got such a great team like Geelong are, you know, one week Stuart will stand up, then the next week he'll get 70, then the other that week that Stuart gets 70, you know, danger will be 120, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm all about consistent high scores and not the bloody yo-yo scores that we can cop, which yeah. are frustrating. Yeah, so I've just pumped the bags of Stuart there, and I don't have him, have him in my top 10, which might sound quite weird, but I'm just giving you a scenario where, you know, if, if I'm wrong and Geelong do hold on to that ball quite often and in blowout situations, like he he's going to put up some big scores and you, you want to be having him, him in your team in no scenario. So it might be just one to track the fixture there. Obviously, we, we might have some changes throughout this year. But, you know, once he gets going there in blowout scores, you know, Stewart's the type of player that you need in your team. But again, he's not in my top 10, so... Sounds quite strange there. Okay, Jeff, let's wrap it up for this podcast. Good luck for the start of the season for all listeners. Uh, we're going to give a few more caps away and just over Twitter in the next couple of days, so just keep an eye out for that. Also, for a few games this season, Thursday or Friday night games or, or one of the games throughout the weekend, we're going to give a cap away. We're going to do an over and under scenario. For We're going to pick one player, and you pick over and under, and if you get the over or under, I'll pick one Twitter handle out there to win a cup, so just keep an eye out uh, during games for that competition. So that's it, Jep. There will be an extra podcast, obviously, on Tuesday mornings, Monday nights, Tuesday mornings. It'll be me solo podcast. I'll do the game reviews and what I see. I'll run some data through there and pick up some more game trends for us to take advantage of. It'll be designed to take um, your game to the next level for listeners podcast again will drop monday night tuesday morning for the solo and tuesday night wednesday morning for jeff and i podcast okay jeff last thoughts for listeners back yourself and good luck yeah good luck everyone that's it for episode 67 thanks for tuning in